Thanks for checking out our weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service, in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans, or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit us at carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew. It is Matthew 16, verses 15 through 19. This is Jesus speaking. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you this, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The word of God for us, the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present redeemer. Amen. So rules. I'm pretty much a rule follower. Now, we know that if we want to follow the rules, we pretty much have to know what the rules are. We have rules about all sorts of things. I have some rules that I like to employ about language, which is why this title slide on the screen doesn't make any sense. But I'm going to explain that to you in a second. As I may have mentioned to you all in a previous message, I have more pet peeves about sportcasters than there are sportscasters. For example, many sportscasters can't ever articulate why something was good or meaningful. Well, Jim, you got to give them credit. Credit for what? Can you describe in detail what was done that was noteworthy of praise? One of my favorite sportscasters, fingers behind the back, loves to say this. He says, it's great that they've been able to do what they've been able to do. (laughs) Never saying what was done. The best was, though, about a year ago, he said it this way. He said, it's great that they've been able to do what they've been able to do when they've been able to do it. People actually get paid for this. But the best of all sportscasters, even the good ones, have now fallen into the trap of this. That team is going to dial up a whatever. It's usually dial up a blitz. Now, if you're old enough to remember that, the rotary dial telephone, you remember that was the genesis of dialing up. It was dialing up someone on the phone and calling them. You don't dial up a blitz like you're ordering a pizza. What these sports announcers are supposed to be saying, I think, is that the defense is going to turn up the dial, right? Like turning up the volume or turning up the strength. The problem is that these announcers don't know the rules one day. Now, crossing at the crosswalk, that's a much clearer rule, right? Don't cross in the middle of the block, cross at the crosswalk. When I see someone who's crossing in the middle of the street on a street that I'm driving on, I I accelerate and then skid to a stop right in front of them. 
that's good. I was, no, I don't do that, but I wanted to see if you were paying attention. Um, in fact, most people know that that's an easy rule, but most of us use that as a rule that we violate. We don't cross at the crosswalk. It's like driving at the speed limit or over the speed limit on the interstate. We all drive over the speed limit on the interstate. But when somebody passes us going 110 miles an hour while we're doing 79, what do we yell? What a maniac. Irrespective of the moral component of all of this, the broken rules like that are part of social convention. It's what we've become accustomed to. We rationalize it's not that bad to do it, and therefore we do it. 80% of sports announcers apparently don't understand English, and they don't get trained, and now they all say, dial up a blitz. Except, this week I was listening to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he said, that team's going to need to turn up the dial. Do you know where Ryan Fitzpatrick went to college? Harvard. Apparently, it's going to take a Harvard education to get beyond this. But everybody crosses in the middle of the block instead of at the crosswalk at the corner, and pretty much every one of us, and if you don't, don't tell me, drives nine miles over the speed limit on the interstate. And we all know in our hearts that we blur the lines on these things, and we sometimes, when that happens, we can't see what the lines are. They're really blurred. And knowing the rules are important. For example, if you were in the Lanyap Bible study uh, last week, you learned that the concept, Sally told me that they talked about this, the concept of forgiving and forgetting is not in the Bible. It's not a rule. The scriptures are all about forgiving. At the same time, the statement, if you're not first, you're last, who said that? And his father, Ricky, his father told him that, Ricky Bobby, that's actually in the Bible, well, more or less, because you remember what Paul said in the scripture we read a couple weeks ago in Corinthians when he says, run in such a way as to win the prize. So last week when Pastor Tiffany was here and she's preaching to you all about how difficult it can be to be a Christian, I bet the initial twinge some people felt was, oh, I don't really want to hear this. Life is difficult enough already. And right there, we are blurring the lines. Part of that blurring is when we improperly merge the practices of pushing the envelope on the laws and regulations of society, which we know can be appropriate. We know of appropriate civil, civil disobedience, but merging that with pushing the envelope on the laws of God. There is no justification for doing that with God's laws. The laws of God are not, God are not to be circumnavigated or ignored or rationalized about about. about. Here's some key verses on that. Paul in 2 Timothy says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Jesus says in John 14, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he says in Matthew 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter that gate are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find that are few. I want you to think about things that keep people away from God and away from the church. I think there are two principal categories of those things. One is a lack of connection with the faith. You know, the sense that the individual doubts the truth and the source of the faith and therefore doesn't see that it makes sense to dedicate time to church and things like that. And the remaining reasons are purely personal, non-theological reasons. I don't have enough time. 
I believe there are hypocrites in the church. It's inconvenient or uncomfortable. I'm not sure why, but it is. I've had a negative past experience in the church. I handle my spirituality my own way. May I tell you that these purely personal non-theological reasons are in fact entirely theological. Those reasons also stem from a lack of connection with the faith, with the faith and doubt because if you didn't have that level of doubt, my suspicion is that you would be beelining it to church every opportunity you could. And so when today's scripture that we read, Jesus says, you, Peter, my rock, I'm going to build my church on you. And we know undeniably, historically, that this Christian church you're sitting in is a direct result, more or less, from that experience, from that decision by Jesus. Then the rule from God is also undeniably, if we believe in Jesus... We need to be in that church and about that church's work. When Jesus said to Peter, hell will not overcome this church I'm building on you. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus didn't say now. This is for some Christians and not for others. Jesus put it on the church to do his work. We can't be the church doing Jesus' work if we're not part of the church. That is a rule with distinct lines that cannot be blurred. And you say, what's all this got to do with Thanksgiving? And I'm glad you asked. We have to remember not to blur the lines when we give thanks. Because think about it, when we're giving thanks, who are we giving thanks to if not to God? We need to remember not to be like the Pharisee in the temple in that story Jesus told who said, God, I thank you I'm not like other people, the robbers, the evildoers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I have. Giving thanks to God is never to be an exercise of comparing me to you. Giving thanks to God is also not to be giving thanks to God for Jesus, but then saying no thanks when it comes to the church that Jesus started, like there's some Thanksgiving buffet to select from. I challenge you to find that buffet in the Bible. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. He didn't literally say cross at the crosswalk in matters concerning God, but in some ways that's what Jesus is saying because the gate is wide and the way is easy. You know, the middle part of the street that leads to destruction and those who enter it are many. Giving thanks to God is getting down to the root of why we are thankful as Christians. Thanking God not only for the fact that God offers salvation to everyone but also that God has called us, every one of us who claims to be a Christian, to be a part of his church, to serve other people, and to bring that good news about salvation out to the rest of humankind. So this Thanksgiving, I ask you to commit to doing this. Commit to God to cross at his crosswalk. Give God credit for giving us the opportunity for salvation. And I want you to turn the dial up on your participation in his church, all in thanks for everything that God has given you.
Let us pray. God, you provide the seasons for us so we feel change and, and understand and notice all the things around us, Lord, that you've provided to us. And Lord, at this season of Thanksgiving, you give us an opportunity to renew our vow to you. When we give thanks, it can't just be a hollow gratitude, but a gratitude that is, that is tinged with and combined with our renewed commitment to do your work, to be a part of your church to bring people into the church, to bring people to Christ, which is a perfect opportunity for us, Lord, as Christmas approaches. Lord, help us to have, be, have the courage to do that, the willingness to do that, the strength to do that, your wisdom on our tongues when we speak to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.